suggestions. He's so nervous about all the questions. His lips are dry. Where's Madame Pearl? She's so Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com, and I am joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? We're doing pretty well. Well, I guess I shouldn't say well. I have Lyme disease. <laughs> so, we'll start wow, off with that. Wait, yeah. wait, way to be down. Dude. Throw down the uh, <laughs> the gauntlet there at the beginning. Uh, apparently, I have Lyme disease. Got bit at some point by a tick, and it was uh, the lucky tick that gave me Lyme disease. It's pretty much, I think, I feel like ticks now, when you get bit by them, it's like more often than not, they have Lyme disease. It's probably like not so rare anymore if you get bit by it, but, yep. So, I'm, now uh, you can turn, let's say at least now you can turn into a werewolf. Mm, that's true. Hopefully it was lichen. a radioactive one. Let's say a nice lichen. Yeah, so, fun times for me. I've been, been dealing with that for a little while, but, uh. Other than that, doing okay. Still um, uh, dealing with the last vestiges of summer, which is why we're still doing our Red Hot 80s action summer part two heat wave edition. Continuing that. The, today's our last episode uh, uh, doing that month. Um, and then we're going to move on to the Halloween stuff because that's right around the corner. 68 days or something from now will be Halloween. So... And we got a whole lot of Halloween to get in. Yeah, we got a we got a packed schedule. So, yeah. So the movie that we're doing for Red Hot Eighties Action Summer today, uh, and we announced it last episode. And uh, you should be expecting a Chuck Norris movie at this point. We did one last year for Red Hot Eighties Action Summer, and returning again is good old Chuck in Missing in Action. And I've never seen, I, before this, I had never seen Missing in Action. Like I had said in, I think, some other episodes, I'm not really well-versed in Chuck Norris movies. Haven't seen very many. Don't, you know, not deep into his wheelhouse. Um, so this was a new one for me. And uh, quite a revelation it was. I'll say that before we get into the episode. I have not seen it as well. I vaguely knew about it. Um buddy of mine when i told him the one that really loves blood sport and i said we're going to be doing missing in action today he said it's the best three pack film he, uh, at a walmart that he's ever bought <laughs> i don't know what that's saying is that saying a lot is that saying a little i don't know what was in the other pack what, like what? Hey, the other two the other two so oh the it's always the three the, the trilogy yeah the missing in Ac- oh, wow what a steal from walmart <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I guess that, and right now, since you brought up the other movies, it's probably a good time to note that Miss, Missing in Action uh, was originally meant to be the second movie in the series um, because they, they filmed the two movies concurrently. So they basically, you know, obviously it's probably easier to uh, go on location once and have all the sets and stuff and just do it all at the same time. So that was a big thing back then. They they would be like, you know what, we, we've got the idea for a sequel. We think this is going to be okay. So we're going to film them back to back. And we've talked about that a little bit before. Uh, Leprechaun 3 and 4, I believe, were also uh, filmed back to back, which we've talked about. And uh, so, you know, it was a common occurrence. And in this case, they, at the end of the shooting, they were like, huh, the second film is better than the first one. So let's swap them around. And, you know, we'll do the other film first. So Missing which, in Action became... Which one thing I don't get. When like when do you ever film films back to back and then have different directors on board? Because we have Joseph Zito for this one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is a different director. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know why they would have chosen to do it that way unless there was like some constraints. Yeah, Lance Hool. So how the hell did that work? Like mm-hmm. he filmed the first one and like, all right, take a break, Lance. It's Joe's turn now. Maybe. Maybe they just wanted to have uh, particularly different like styles. I don't know. But yeah, they uh, they decided they were going to swap the two around. So missing. So number two, which I also haven't seen, but number two is a prequel, um, technically. But it, one would presume that it was supposed to tell the initial story of Braddock before we actually saw the first missing in action. So that's uh, cur- that's Colonel Braddock. Sorry, to you. yes, Colonel Braddock. Get a, give him by his full honorary title. <laughs> so it's just an interesting thing to bring up that you know. No one had, I guess, during filming, no one had much faith faith in either movie. <laughs> how, da- how dare you? This yeah. is a canon production. Yeah. Are, and Golan we, and Globus. We, we are, like, peak. Yeah. Peak greatness. At yeah. this point, you know, we should get, like, a sponsorship from canon. Yeah. I just found it funny that, you know, it was just, they, they didn't have much uh, faith in either of them, so they just swapped the movies around. It's great. It's, it's a recipe for success right there. Um, and then also not only that, but Missing in Action was actually a treatment for Rambo Part 2 be- uh, by James Cameron before it became what it is now. Uh, and, well, and how dare you? It's Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, Sir James Cameron. <laughs> but no, he did, he did write. Uh, First Blood Part 2 with Stallone. Yep. Which, you know, it's kind of fun to think about now. You know. Imagine if James Cameron directed Rambo. I know. It would have been yeah. weird. <laughs> but not outlandish, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I just... I find the trivia behind some of these movies to be really great. Um, I also like how uh, in the trivia for this, Chuck Norris kind of speaks out about how he's like a red-blooded uh, conservative man. And at the time, he was rah-rah Ronald Reagan. Still is cheering him yeah. on from, from the afterlife. Yeah. Found that to be funny, too. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, I mean, with Missing in Action, 
I think you probably like hearing the title. You probably know what you're going to get. You're going to get a very Americanized version of a movie about American soldiers in Vietnam and they're missing in action. And it pretty much tells you everything you need to know. And if you, if you didn't get it from the title, then you'll definitely get it from the poster artwork that looks like a 1950s pulp film uh, rendition. Like that was like a a telenovela or something. I say it looks like this, uh, the double feature to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it. I think that tells you pretty much everything you need to know, especially with like Chuck Norris in the movie too. But uh, it it basically is about uh, Chuck Norris's character Braddock, who has who he was a prisoner of war. He escapes. Vietnam War ends, and the Vietnam claim Vietnamese claim that they don't have any more American prisoners, and yet Braddock knows they do. So it's his job to go back in, infiltrate, no, no, and get no. them out. No, no, it's not his job. It's his fucking duty because they don't want That's him true. doing it, but he's honor bound. That is true. Yeah. Like <laughs> everyone else is like, you're not very diplomatic. You're just not very good at this. Why don't you just let bygones be bygones and let the Americans die in those camps? We don't care. They right. care. I mean, it's <laughs> duty. It's so funny. One, it's kind of ridiculous. What's a colonel like? You know, the first action scene we see him like you know, you know, basically <laughs> what Forrest Gump would, you know, basically take with you know Lieutenant Dan and Forrest, you know, making a run for it in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. What the hell's a colonel doing on the front lines, fucking going through the rice paddies, like you know, shooting commies face to face? A, little, a, one who didn't do a very good job <laughs> directing. <laughs> Should have made him like you know, like a, like you know, some, like you know, like a sergeant or something. So like you know, one that would believe. be more embroiled in the yeah, the turmoil. Actually, yeah. yeah. He'd be off at like at like you know, forty miles away from the fighting. Like yeah, all right, we're gonna send them and send them and. <laughs> That's that is true. It it really draws suspicion to how good of a colonel maybe he's a kentucky colonel so he's not really a colonel he's just like you know it's like an honorary title like (laughs) yeah just definitely draws suspicion like i think what it's supposed to be is like wow this guy got in the shit with his men you know but truly parts of the war with attrition is that you take out people like this guy which gets rid of i say snipers would have been you know Viet Cong snipers would have been picking him off from the right. tree, like you and, know, and like that's that. And really, that um, sows dissent in the ranks because they're like, "Oh fuck, they took out our colonel." Like that's <laughs> you know, generally you don't want that guy being the guy that's like the POW. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not very. Uh, it's more. <laughs> it's demoralizing for the the troops. Well, to, Vietnam was demoralizing for everybody. I'm sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's that's like the main thing, and and we'll we'll talk more about you know the, um, all no, the all of the all the stuff that goes on in Missing in Action, but first, it's definitely it's definitely a film. It's definitely a film. It's, it's a of film. its time. It's it's a definitely a mid eighties canon film. That's Absolutely, yeah. All it's missing is Bronson winking at him at the end, like, do it. 
And you know you've got yourself like a 80s war film because it's either Vietnam, you know? It's, it's mostly Vietnam. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So you, you know you've got yourself a classic 80s war film here with Missing in Action. All right, so uh, let's take a break from talking about Missing in Action for a second, and we'll talk about the beer that we have on the show today for, for this episode. Um, and this beer is uh, coming from a brewery that we've had a couple times on here before. And um, it's Great Lakes Brewing Company. And based, in, based in the heart of America, Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. That's right. And uh, for this one, you grabbed us. Um, it's part of their Imperial IPA series, Ruby's Revenge, which is a Imperial Grapefruit IPA. And uh, this one is pretty much exactly how it sounds. It's an IPA with grapefruit. It uh, clocks in about 8%. Um, they nicely list on the can the IBUs, 75. And uh, what do you think about this one? I think it's all right. Um, kind of like the, uh, it's probably like the sixth or seventh Great Lakes beer I've had now. Um, kind of the overwhelming conclusion I've kind of come to them is they don't really make anything offensive, but nothing astounding. Mm-hmm. And I would put that in that category. This is just a very middle of the road uh, double IPA. Um, you definitely get a lot of alcohol on it. You definitely taste the 8%. Um, the grapefruit isn't really nuanced. It's just very forward, very bitter. <laughs> um, doesn't really, like, I think pair too well with the hops in it. Um... It's just like it's kind of like a weird thing for me. Like it's it's definitely drinkable, but nothing really outstanding or stand out about it. It's especially these days compared to like the you know the d- double IPAs we have these days. It's definitely very uh, sorry phone. Uh, middling. Um, it's I think uh, more of a West Coast style too. Trying to see what the hell the hops are in it. Yeah, it's that's, all cut. that's one thing that kind of stood out to me is that um, you, you, I'm not, I don't really get like a definitive um, hop profile on this one. Like, I taste the fact that there are hops in it. Um, I get a lot of the bitterness from the the grapefruit flavors on it, but I don't really notice um, a particular style or hop profile to it. And I think that's partially because of the grapefruit flavor that kind of like that bitterness of the grapefruit kind of overwhelms. Um, Just a citrusly hop aromas on the can. So mm-hmm. um, it does have some citrus to it. I would say that though, like the, the 75 IBUs kind of um, surprises me because I don't really think, I mean, the grapefruit itself is pretty bitter, but other than that, like, I don't think like the hop profile is um, particularly bitter. It's actually, uh, cascaded and centennial. Mm, it actually has kind of like a an overall sweetness to it too. Um, for an imperial, I feel like it probably is a little bit lesser bodied than I would expect. And I don't know. I I I think you're spot on. You know, it's it's fairly middle of the road. Uh, with, like you with the Great Lakes, I've never really had anything that was mind blowing from them. I, I I've had stuff that I thought was 
pretty good, you know, pretty good rendition of the styles. Um, I do think that with the amount of Nipahs that we have coming out that already have bursts of grapefruit flavor, whether that be from actual citrus or from the hops that they use that actually, you know, conjure up the grapefruit, it's actually really hard to succeed in making a true grapefruit IPA because you kind of are already expecting that. And I think they did. I think I, I think grapefruit, like when it comes to like, cause it, it is definitely more of a West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. I think grapefruit kind of does not pair well with it at all. Like kind of like, especially like like the Centennial and like Cascade hop. It's just like the pininess of those, and like especially if you have like which this does, which is nice, like an actual true grapefruit taste because it is bitter. It's not like you know like a sweet grapefruit. Um, like it does just I don't think it pairs well with like that kind of style of IPA mm-hmm. like you know and I think as you said like Nipah's definitely you know lend that you know that more tropical flavor to it because of what the main fact that it's mainly the hops carrying that those flavors with the beer and not necessarily uh, some kind of adjunct or puree or whatever that they might add to it to try to give that grapefruit taste mm-hmm yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I think that, they, you know, it doesn't necessarily go well together. And I, I think, like, experimenting with different styles of hops instead, maybe going with something like more, more like a Citra, maybe a more like a Matuka, they might have done, they might have paired a little bit better. Um, I think it's it's fine. It's not, it's not like, uh, anything that really wows me. Um, so I think, like, it's it's definitely drinkable. I don't think anybody would like bulk at it if it was available to them, but it's probably not something that I would um, seek out again. It's definitely bready too. Mm-hmm. Like you definitely get like you know the multi brightiness on it too. And I was definitely I was expecting a little bit more from an imperial. Um, to be honest with you, like like I said, with like the the body um, creaminess a little bit, um, and maybe an over maybe a little bit more. Uh, Definitive that, hop say, profile was, too. I was gonna say, look at that. You like it so much, you're already cracking in the number two. Sure. Yeah, I've already been drinking it, so gotta get. <laughs> Website into says two. it pairs well with pad thai, pungent cheeses, and creature features. Creature features. Wow. Oh, that makes sense because the can is um yeah. based off of uh, Little Shop of Horrors. So yeah, there you go. Which is awesome. The can the artwork is really cool. Yeah, and that's a, is, that's one of the things with Great Lakes. They always have really cool artwork for their cans. In bottles. I don't think you've ever had pad thai before because ooh, you had a faux peanut allergy. That's right. No, I've I've never had pad thai. It's delicious. I would try it now, even though I'm not a big fan of like peanut dishes and stuff like that. It's not even that peanutty. It's just like like a lot of Thai food is just like made with peanut oil. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, Ruby's Revenge, not bad. Not uh, particularly surprising or astounding. So I say it'd be nice to see kind of like what somebody from the Midwest thinks, because you know this might be something that you know they look more fondly, you know, Great Lakes they may look more fondly upon because you know more readily available, which we do get a lot of Great Lakes out here, but it's still something. As we said, we really don't kind of go out of our way to get. All right, so let's talk about missing in action for our 
finale M.I.A. for Red Hot, Red Hot 80s Action Summer. This is the this is the capper. you're forgetting the goddamn. You can't Part two. come up Heat Wave you, edition. Uh, there you go. You can't come up with these long titles for w- these months that we do and then you just fucking truncate. <laughs> like cut them down at the knees. Like you thought long and hard about that title. You didn't want to cheap out as we said earlier and go like Electric Boogaloo, but True. you know. And now just cutting it off. Cutting Heat, it off. Heat Wave edition. It's like it's like every time somebody says John Carpenter, a John Carpenter film, they don't put his fucking name on it. Like he's looking at like the person like who's like putting the title like the movie poster together and he's like, what's that? Oh, this is vampires. No, no, <laughs> this is John Carpenter's vampires. That's right. Is it really necessary, John? Yeah, it is actually. Put my fucking name on it. Continue. Right. Sorry. No, no problem. No problem. So missing in action, like I like we were talking about, the the intro of the movie, the the first part of the movie takes place during like a dream sequence that Chuck Norris's character Braddock's having. Well, He's, way to ruin it. The whole you, it's not a real dream sequence. If it was, you'd hear Fortunate Son playing. In that's the true. Yeah, I mean it's it's like a it's like a this happened, but he's having flashbacks about it. And the other thing that I I'll actually hold on, let me I'll save that thought for a little bit later. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he's, he's, they're running through the jungles of Vietnam. They're shooting the Viet Cong. They're, uh, traipsing around or MIAs and he, the, it ends before he wakes up with him jumping two fisted with grenades into the, <laughs> into the enemy's arms. <laughs> and then he wakes up. It's, you know what that part's missing? There goes yeah, my hero. I know, it really is. Yeah. Watch it is. <laughs> It's hilarious. Oh, and the I, the other thing that I forgot to mention about this really important first part is that there's a they they're like getting ready to ambush. They're in the the uh, woods, and there's a guy that gives Chuck Norris the thumbs up. <laughs> All right, yep, everything's good, guy. And then immediately gets mowed down. And it's like there you go. Never give a fucking thumbs up in Vietnam. It's ne- never a good sign. <laughs> But it's a great moment in the movies, to be honest with you. It's hilarious. Uh, just because he just gets mowed right down after it. I love it. Um, and then he does, like I said, he does his own little Lieutenant Dan. He's carrying a guy on his back as they're wading through the, you know, the rice paddies and they're getting shot at. And Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I know. I love that. Like, all of a sudden, he just, he like doesn't even bat an eye. He's just like, yep, put him on my shoulder. I'll carry him out. Not only that, they're getting fired from a uh, machine gun from a position that nobody, like, it's obvious, and no one's, and they're just getting mowed down constantly. And you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, so, like, I imagine, because I haven't seen Missing in Action 2, that Missing in Action 2 is particularly, like, this event, because it makes it look like we're supposed to see more of, like, Braddock being tortured and, uh, you know, being a prisoner of war. And we don't really get to see that in this one. So I imagine Missing in Action 2 shows that part of his experience in Vietnam. Probably um, half, the, half the movie is just this opening scene. What I really <laughs> like, too, is that like it, they go out of our way to show us like one scene where he's kind of like tied up and they're like, uh, slicing pieces into his stomach. And then you see, I mean, he has no fucking scars at all. Just nothing. Like, he's got a perfectly contoured, chiseled, chiseled body. Chiseled. Nicely, uh, nice hair placement, too. I like it. Like, it's, you know, it's not overwhelmingly, like, 
hairy in specific spots. It's just like everywhere he's got like nice, you know, you know, contoured hair. Um, but but he has no scars whatsoever. Uh, I like that a lot. Like, you know, he's been tortured in an in a prisoner's camp and nothing. He's, he's that's that's Chuck Norris for you though. You can't scar a freedom. That's that's right. You you can't scar the man. That's Chuck Norris. He's just too hard for that. He actually bent the blade when they were <laughs> cutting like, him. Like, oh, like what's going on? <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> like shit. I gotta. I've got to sharpen this again. The fuck. <laughs> Use it on one guy. Um. Yeah. No. So so that opening is amazing though, and it gets you pre- prepped for the rest of the movie. Like you. So once you see that, you know what's coming. Um, you're going to get a rah, rah America film about going back in to save these people. And, uh, the one thing that I thought would have been really interesting about missing in action that would have changed things entirely is that we would go through the whole process and then find out that Chuck Norris is actually having these like, um, (laughs) these like flashback sequences or like, uh, delusions of grandeur of going back in and saving people when truly he's the only one that made it out of, Vietnam from the prisoner of, of war camp. And this is like him having, you know, PTSD about it. And he's just imagining it. And they're like, Chuck, well, I, I should say they're like, Braddock, Braddock, come on, man, snap out of it. The war's been over for years. And then just like, <laughs> that was how it ends. That would be a really, um, mind twisting movie of like seeing all this happen. And then at the end you find out like, no, he's not a hero. You're watching the wrong movie. You need to be watching Apocalypse Now. Mm. I know. I was just I was thinking about how how I feel like it would have been so much better to like have this, you know, rah rah America movie, and then all at the, at the end of the movie, it's just like, no, he ran for his life from Vietnam, and that's it. He has PTSD. Uh, no one paid for his medical care, so you know he's because America loves to do that. Get back, get back from war, and they're like, mm, "Yeah, thanks, thanks for your service. Uh, you're on your own now. Um, got a sleeping bag for you." <laughs> People don't really like to think about that, but yeah, they don't. America doesn't really love to uh, pick up where your life left off <laughs> when you went to war. We like funding the war. We don't like the remnants of it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um. um so I thought it would have been an interesting movie, but alas, it doesn't go that way. <laughs> you know, it, it truly is your standard eighties. Um, you know, America is the best and we're going to go kick some ass type movie. Goddamn commies. That's right. They, like I was saying to you, was, this is a movie where people are like fucking other countries, man. America's got to come in and help you liberate. You don't even know what freedom is. Mm hmm. This film's missing a dose of Toby Keith. Oh, the red, white, and blue. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the other thing that I uh, love about this movie, too, is that, like, the government's been asking Braddock, like, over and over again, like, hey, Braddock, you, you want to help us out? Go back to Vietnam and, you know, kind of do, like... Talk to these people? Yeah. Like, well, like, okay, like, well it's, it's stupid. Like, so, like, they're going to go to Vietnam and they're like... Do you have some of our MIAs? Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you do, please, will you give them to us? And they're going to be like, like them back, we, don't, please. we don't have any MIAs. This is American propaganda. 
The, okay. The what whole, a fucking dumb idea. I know. Like the this. whole idea didn't really make sense to me either. I was like thinking at first, did I miss something? Like, but no, like they just send a senator over and they're like, um, guys, like we've heard that you might have some of our soldiers over here. And the other thing too is like, might? John Mc- <laughs> say John John McCain's still lingering around there. Like you know, I know. I, my leg my legs have been healed for fifteen <laughs> years. Please, somebody let me go. <laughs> Poor John McCain. But but it, like it, the the other stupid thing is like might have them. Like wh- I don't really know like diplomatically what they think is going to happen here. Um, like you said, you're that's just going to go over that's and the, ask that's the them. Po- let's say that's the point. You can't negotiate with fucking commies. Mm. You need to go in there, guns blazing. Let them know who, who's the real boss. But that's the other thing, though, is that they don't want that to happen because, like, both Anne, who's like the uh, senator, uh, something. St- she's a State Department worker. Yeah, and the senator, they're like, "You're not very diplomatic, Braddock. Why aren't you working with the Vietnamese people here? Why aren't you confessing to war crimes? <laughs> you know, and." It's just I, the whole thing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense as to like what is happening, why they have a whole massive press conference about Braddock being in Vietnam and his war crimes and stuff like that. It just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and that kind of carries through to the end of the movie too. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but but the whole idea of like why they're here in Vietnam, what their plan, what their plans are to do how they're going to get these people out of the camps is just doesn't even make much sense. And there's no, like, I, I'm wondering curiously what the end goal they thought would happen would be like, they go to this place, they ask general Tran, do you have our soldiers? And they're like, actually, you know what? We did a head count. A couple, <laughs> couple of these guys don't look like us. Uh, we have a couple of bamboo cages still. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> Uh, didn't realize it. Um, one of them not doing so well. Uh, forgot to feed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like what is? Um, I don't. I don't really understand what the whole end goal was there. But Tim over there broke his legs a couple of times, so he's gonna be crippled for life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, by the way, too, I say this is also like the rah rah Reagan film. What does this say about Reagan's government if he's sending like this weak kneed senator and like mm. you know member of the State Department to be like. Please, do you have any MIAs? Yeah. Can you spare some? Yeah, no, it did. And then, and then, but no, no, because the genius is like, Reagan has these people in, all, in, in the military that are like, no, I'm going to, they're Clint Eastwood and Dirty Harry. I'm a cop that plays fast and hard with loose, you know, loose with the rules, and I'm just going to go and do whatever the fuck I want. I could start, you know, after the end of this movie, I basically could have started a new war with Vietnam, but that's that's what it's going to take to get four people back, god damn it. Mm, I know. <laughs> Not like a camp, like a, at the end, it's, he doesn't even like liberate a camp or anything. He's like, I brought four people back, and my, my friend from Vietnam, he got shot along the way too, but that's the price for freedom. And I like, I like too, that, like the whole, when, when he goes back to Vietnam, there's that whole scene where he's going to escape and go out and, you know, basically he's like, I'm just going to see what's going on in Saigon. <laughs> like, he's just going to storm around and just look for things while he's dressed in his turtleneck, black turtleneck and black pants. I like, too, when they show up into, into Ho Chi Minh City, 
They like Ho Chi Minh City, formerly known as Saigon. Like, you idiot Americans who don't know politics since Vietnam, this is what happened. <laughs> they should have just said, like, uh, main city, Vietnam. You know, like, not even, like, name it. Just be like... Ca- capital city of <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, guys. You don't know geography. We'll just tell you where it is. And it's, like, approximate location. Doesn't matter. But, yeah, no, they, they definitely, you know, I, I mean, I think, though, honestly, like, this could have been a fairly smart movie about how war ends, but it didn't really end. And, like, the vestiges of what happened, you're still dealing with. Like, it's not just, like, there's, like, this cut-and-dried cut line where it's like, yeah, the war's over. Okay, like, we're done. Um, sorry yeah, about we- that. Uh, shake your hands and move on. We'll just be two countries again. Like, there's still things that have to happen um we had that it's called first blood right that is true (laughs) i mean i I think that this could have been a smart movie a smarter movie about about geopolitics correct yeah Yeah, exactly um it certainly i mean it just wasn't written that way but it 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 could have been and i i it definitely misses that mark james by a wide margin i say james cameron later used that for the influence for avatar (laughs) <laughs> so, geopolitics and environmental politics collide in well, Avatar. Also, well, as I say, it's an anti-imperialism film, so yeah. you know, that, that would fit too. But no, you're right. It is funny because it's like so overly heavy-handed and fucking stupid. Like the whole him sneaking around Ho Chi Minh City was fucking stupid. Like nothing happened. It was like ten, fifteen minutes of the film mm-hmm. of like, oh, is he gonna get caught? And like nothing fucking happened. It was such a goddamn bore. Right, and like not only that, but the the film's uh, score just has this one violin, <laughs> like like a horror movie, of course, like the sting of a horror movie. But in this movie, because he's sneaking around Ho Chi Minh City for like fifteen minutes, it's literally held. I'm I'm not even joking. Like that that sting is held for like five minutes of like Chuck <laughs> Norris just you know in the shadows lurking around and and sneaking into people's apartments. It it. It, it it I read a, a like a quick excerpt from a review and it was like Joseph Zito has no idea how to create suspense because this movie just has zero suspense to it and I totally agree it like that scene alone shows that this film really misses how to do a suspenseful moment and like I think too like with the way that we're introduced to Braddock you're not you're almost not expecting there to be any issues that he encounters like sure he might have a a nuisance, like, oh, fuck, there's four guys keep running to me in a straight line and I can just hide in the shadows and take one, each one out one by one. But there's not going to be, like, a, a major no. issue that he encounters. No, he's like fucking Altair. He's just, like, creeping from the goddamn, you know, rafters. And it's like, well, no one's going to see me it, up here. It makes you, you know, question how he got captured in Vietnam because apparently... He got shot, that's how. All the Viet Cong do is run at you one at a time. <laughs> and <laughs> very easily then <laughs> manhandled and taken out. That's all you really need to worry about. So, like Chuck Norris, it's surprising he didn't just take out the whole troop himself. Should just, just ran with some grenades, and so he was ready to be locked and loaded. Like if I'm going to be taken as a prisoner, he's going to go fucking save a man on Yamcha and just be like. <laughs> Don't you love too how in this movie everyone has like bad aim syndrome? 
Oh but, yeah, but it's, like, it's 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 total classic like, just... canon '80s action movie bad aim syndrome. Like everybody came down with a case of lazy eye. <laughs> wow. Their their eye that just hurt. that hurts. <laughs> just <laughs> sitting there, just sitting there with AK 47s firing from the fucking hip. Like <laughs> I don't understand. The man is <laughs> the man is unhittable. And I would say, in fact, actually, the last 15 minutes of the film are just a giant case of fucking bad eye versus bad eye. I'm like, <laughs> we're shooting, which is fucking stupid. But no, like, it's great. Like, the only one who's a crack shot in this is, is uh, Colonel Braddock. No one else can fucking put, you know. Not only a crack this. shot, but that in that one scene, he literally throws his knife at General Tran and takes him out while the guy has a gun in bed. Like aiming point blank at him, he's not even looking. Um, the other thing that I really like too is, uh, you know, when in this movie, like you were saying, like everybody has bad aim. Um, y- you can imagine, like, if you were to go back to your your army and be like, "All right, so what are the uh, what are the numbers? Like, what, what what's the statistics on bullets that we've got?" And like, I don't know. We we're missing about a million bullets. Where'd those bullets go? Uh, I don't know. They didn't go in the enemy. Uh, we we didn't hit anything. That'd be concerning. You you'd be you'd be like, what what the fuck are we funding? I say movies like this is why uh, most you know firearm doctrine says never go full auto. That's right. It's a waste of ammunition, and you're not going to hit anything. You just blow like it you. all, and you didn't you didn't kill anything. Um. So. We didn't talk about though when Braddock escapes because he's he's got a tail basically like this, the whole time he's in Ho Chi Minh City like there's two guys that are watching him and uh, Anne Fitzgerald invites him back to her room she's like you want a nightcap he's like you know what I do I love that too he comes out of his room with like champagne and he gives the guys a look like yeah I'm taking I'm going in there and I'm taking that that's what we do in America that's right that's right he's like he's like do you, I bet you were jealous. But it's just it's just another night for me. And then he goes in there, starts stripping down, and she's like, oh, exasperated. What are you What are you doing? I invited well, you for a nightcap. I didn't. Well, I thought I was say this is the '80s. This is Reagan's America. We don't we don't do premarital sex unless it's like, oh, okay, he's he's manly. Yeah, and there's no explicit uh, consent either. You you said nightcap. I took that to mean sexual encounter. <laughs> What the fuck? Like, who says nightcap? Like, oh, it's you have a nightcap. Like, what does what does that entail? Re- like, drinking some Earl Grey and reading a book together. <laughs> For me, well, no, I think they mean uh, like I'm, I would take it as if someone said that to me, I'd be like, oh, good, you have a nice aged bourbon. Oh, I thought you meant like rim job. <laughs> <laughs> if I a like tossed to, salad is in order, okay. I, li- I like I like to round my night off with some eating of the ass. And then, very I say that would be very forward thinking. And then and, and then a vigorous brushing of the teeth. <laughs> no, no, you leave you leave that taste in your mouth. <laughs> no, I but I love that when he slips out and you know he strips down and she's like. What you, I, I, when I said nightcap, I, I truly meant a drink. And then, well, you know, she, she thinks that she, he's... She got all hot and bothered. Oh, yeah. She was kind of like... I was like... Ooh. She well, had I the mean, palpitations. I, 
<laughs> I meant though because she changes her nightie in between like this fifteen minute foray out into Ho Chi Minh. That is City. true. She, she was really she from, giving like, mixed like, signals there. She was wearing like a white one, and then all of a sudden when he comes back, she's wearing like a black one. It's like. what you would call a negligee. Oh, breaking out the fancy words. Yeah, but that's that's true. When he comes back, he slips back in. And he's he's got to have like a cover because they you know he just killed General Tran, so that and everybody's looking for him. So he goes in. And he, he, for no reason, rips Anne's shirt down and just, you know, titties flopping all over the place and they get in bed. <laughs> and it's like, you know, obviously he was going for realism, but it was totally unnecessary because he's laying on top of her. It doesn't, you know, and it's should not it, unheard of. Say, should, Sometimes people it, leave uh, their shirts on. Say, <laughs> well, if you're Chuck, you're not leaving your shirt on. You got a lot to show. Should should made the film more interesting. Should have shown like in like the, like them catching him like in the middle of midnight, like <laughs> <laughs> even like, more oh, realistic. Like <laughs> like like oh, he could have been out there killing this <laughs> guy. Been. no, there's no way Chuck Norris comes in two minutes. He's been here for he's been here for an hour at least. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Chuck's like, we gotta sell it. <laughs> There's no way they'll just believe me, just, you know, laying on you. She, she's like, well, I can't. He's like, no, I'll, it'll be faster if I do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come in. She's like, hold on, I've got a pee. I don't want a UTI. Totally realistic. <laughs> yeah. The the film we de- we deserve. That's right. That's right. Speaking of, she um, Lenore Kastorf, who is she plays and Fitzgerald. Yep. Um, she's most well known for as Mrs. Rico yeah, from Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. I saw that. Didn't really That's, <laughs> put it together. But no, I would I wouldn't have put it together either. But I mean, I just find it funny in her Wikipedia. Like she is known for being on Guiding Light, and her performance says. Mrs. Rico and Starship <laughs> Troopers, which is like four minutes of airtime. So it's like, wow. So if her four minutes in Starship Troopers beats out this, it's saying something. I know, right? Yeah, because she has a much bigger part in this. Her titties flop out in here. <laughs> Most known for titties flopping out in Missing in Action. It'd be like pointing out Linnea Quigley and not pointing out a film with like where her boobies fly out. Yeah. It'd be, you'd be like, oh, that, that can't. Night of the Demons. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a that's a hilarious scene though. I I just love the ripping of the shirt for no reason. She's kind of like taken by surprise, like what? <laughs> it is. T- I say it is kind of tastefully done though, because the lighting is very muted. Sure, so it's sure. Like it's yeah. it's like kind of silhouetted. It's not like a silhouette, but it is like silhouetted. So it's not like you know. And so maybe she she had a boob double. Uh, I don't think so. If I were to guess, I, no, I don't I, think so. I would, but I would say probably not, but I'm just mm. saying, you know, you never know. So that one was tastefully done, and then you get multitudes of strip club scenes with Thailand uh, strip clubs. What is up with the fucking lady singing <laughs> Rod Stewart's If You Want My Body, but it sounds like it's from like an Atari game. Like, <laughs> if you want my body. It's hilarious. <laughs> And you got like the, bad, uh, and then you got like like the piano play. If you want my body, and it's uh, so enunciated too. Like she's, you know, she's like saying every single syllable. If it's you want my it's, body, it's because they're foreign. 
It was great. No, That's I, what makes it funny. And it happens not... twice, too. It's like they repeat the same song again. It's awesome. <laughs> um, we That that does bring up, though, you know, because uh, Braddock goes to... He gets kicked out of Vietnam, basically. They're like, we're pretty sure you killed General Tran. So we're throwing you're you. Not, you're out of you're here. Not, you're not welcome. Here yeah, anymore. you're, we'll you're out of here. Get we'll out of here. We'll deal with your senator from wherever. Which, by the way, when does... The United States government ever sends senators out on diplomatic missions. Like just some when's random the, senator from a... When's yeah. the, I say, when's the last time you heard Chuck Schumer made a trip out to, you know, Italy to talk about, you know, whose pizza's better, New York or, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, it is weird. I don't know, like, what which senator are they sending out there, you know? And what authority? They don't have any authority. They're yeah. a fucking senator. <laughs> uh, but, but that does bring us... So it brings us to Thailand, because... Uh, Braddock gets thrown out of Vietnam. He goes to Thailand. He goes to find one of his army buddies. And that brings us to um, M. Emmett Walsh, who plays Tucker, Tuck, in this movie. And Missing in Action may very well be his second best movie um, just after Christmas with the Cranks. Because <laughs> he plays the, uh, the crotchety old neighbor. Uh, I don't know. He was in The Jerk. True. He was in... Blade Runner? No, I'm still calling this. No, no matter what, he was Christmas in Wild with the Cranks. Is no, is number he was, one. He was and then he, everything else. He was in Wild Wild West. The man's from Ogden, Ogdensburg, so like he's he's one of us. New York. It's true. <laughs> he's just one of us. Made regular guest appearances on Home Improvement. You know, too, he needs to hire a new PR guy because his IMDb page says wonderfully talented, heavy set character actor. Why take a shot at his fucking weight? Come on, IMDb PR guy. Especially because he's like almost 90 now. Like, oh, yeah, he's he's fat. Yeah, like, like you might know him from these movies because he was the fat guy. It's so so it's such he, a weird say, uh, adjective to use on there. He was in Critters. Yep, he was in Critters, yeah. He was in a lot. Holy shit. He has been in quite a bit. Yeah, you kind of don't think about it, but he has been in, in quite a bit of movies. Yeah. But uh, so what do you think about like when he goes to Thailand? What would it? I think that's probably like the movie's low point because it really has nothing going on. Just no, it's fucking a, dr- a drag. Takes forever. Meanders. He's looking for his buddy. That takes fifteen minutes. And then when he finally finds him, Wikipedia describes uh, Tuck as a black market kingpin. He's not a fucking kingpin. There's nothing to show. <laughs> right. <laughs> it really doesn't that- have much uh, to do besides he's like. Yeah, like I like hangs whores. out in strip clubs and like, yeah, like and buys <laughs> buys prostitutes. T- like t- I hang out in the red light district. I yeah. came to Bangkok because I like whores. So like, woo! I think the like there are two scenes that are are not too bad about this this uh, Thailand excursion. The one is when there's like a they're actually getting off the off of Thailand. They're gonna set sail and they've got a ship and uh, Chuck Norris is driving a a truck and trying to get on the boat while uh, he's being pursued and there's like a whole car chase. It's pretty good. So it's a pretty good car chase. The other is when there's a bombing in Bangkok and it they like bomb a whole bunch of like innocent civilians and it kills like a, a kid. And I was like, wow. Oh, it's, I was saying, that, no, no, it's not bombing. The fuck? That, that scene comes out of nowhere. It's so fucking great. Like 
Chuck sees like the Vietnamese looking at him. He gives him like the like you know the pointing at the eyes and mm-hmm. like then at them like I'm I'm looking at you. And then they just bust a China Lake grenade launcher out. Fucking yeah. grenade. They just fire that thing away. And boom. Boom. I, mean, I think that's probably like one of the best scenes. It's like, damn, holy shit. Chuck's uh, okay, but the kid. Eh, yeah, because so it like it, <laughs> it does. I think Zito does a pretty good job here of showing like the innocence during war and like Chuck brings that up later on. He's like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have uh, hurt those people in Bangkok. Um, and I, I like that. I, I kind of like that idea. And it was a kind of a dark moment. And then it's, it's kind of funny though, because there's that dark moment. Uh, the kid is dying. You know, he got, he, you know, he got blown up and all of a sudden it cuts to like Emmett, uh, Emmett Walsh, uh, with a couple of prostitutes like, Oh man, we got to go to Vietnam. Damn. The film doesn't really have a very good um, handle on mood. <laughs> you know, no, it, no, it doesn't. It like doesn't Chuck, know. Chuck, Chuck shows up. He's like, "You gotta get out of here." And he's like, "But I thought we had." Thought. He's like, "No." Nope. And he's like, "Oh." He's like, "Oh man, darn! I gotta throw these two naked women out." Yeah. So the the film doesn't have a very good handle on, uh, you know, tone and mood. Um, kind of jumps around but I, I did think that that bangkok scene was kind of affecting uh because mostly because of what it could have done if the film was a lot more realistic um well it would have made it like it would have made it you know as you said bring you know home more like maybe you would have him being like is it really worth you know trying to go back to vietnam just to free a couple of americans like if this is the collateral that it's causing mm-hmm is it worth it? Right. It, but they're not. That's not no. a question. No, he's again. He's got to get these like, four assholes out of there's, there. There's four guys in a camp. I'm getting them out. That's just what I do. Yeah. So the whole break breakout from the the camp. What, what did you think about that? It is a, an action packed like last twenty minutes of the movie. It's okay. I mean, a lot of the film action in this film was very reminiscent of Invasion USA, mm-hmm. Strike Commando. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, which, the whole when they're on the boat that is very re- reminiscent of Strike Commando. And not only that, they, <clears throat> we had like a Bog Delta Bayou fight scene in Invasion <laughs> USA. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that same goddamn Kevlar raft with the shark printing on it was an in Invasion USA. So I mean, it's okay. But I mean, I don't. I don't really think it's that great, to be honest with you. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of really ho hum and very pedantic, like just by the numbers. Like out of that whole, like when he goes to the camp and starts, you know, fighting them, and the whole like river stuff. The only like cool scene is like when he like pops out of the river, like after he, the raft gets fucking. RPG and everyone's <laughs> laughing, and then he just slowly comes out of the water like he's swamp thing and just fucking unloads onto, you know, on the Vietnamese like <laughs> fuck you. But I mean, other than that, I mean, like the action's very, very boring to be honest with you. I yeah. I, I didn't I don't like almost all of the action in this film was very ho hum, middle of the road. Yeah, I agree. I I don't really think that the pacing is done very well. Um, for any of the action sequences, you know, it, it does employ a lot of like the the trademark '80s things, where it's like 
Well, we want it kind of violent, but we don't want it too violent. So there's no, like, you know, there's no actual bloodshed. It's just, you know, the the various, like, like no, squib no, bullets hitting. I was saying, I was saying, um, no, squ- I was saying no squibs can be found when somebody yeah. gets hit. It's just... Uh, <laughs> right, you know, the, having the, a seizure and falling. Grenades is, have random effects. Sometimes they fucking blow up and you get thrown 50 feet. Sometimes you just, you know. Yeah. Uh, you shoot at a helicopter long enough, it's like playing Grand Theft Auto. The fucking thing just explodes. Well, people, that was like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. People don't understand that the phys- physics are different in Vietnam. It's completely, <laughs> completely that, changed. It's that humidity. It yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Really makes the air much more. That's why we know, didn't. That's the only reason why we didn't do that well. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that the action scenes are actually pretty boring. Um, I think that's a really big problem with missing in action in general. Is this an action movie? And it probably lives up to its name. It's missing some action. Um, it doesn't really do a whole lot with its plot. And I think like a lot of, like. You know, action movies tend to have uh, set pieces, and when you see those set pieces, like they make sense f- for the the plot, and they they have like a, an overarching impact on the movie. Whereas, for some reason, I just get this feeling in missing an action, like all of the action scenes don't really have an impact on the movie itself. It's just like not only that, let's I'll throw say, this in there. Not oh, I'll say not only that again. Like they're very ho hum, like. The opening dream sequence that is like the first 10, 15 minutes of the film could be so much better because it's very just stereotypical wading through a rice paddy, explosions, Viet Cong firing AKs off, and it's very boring. The, the whole sneaking through Ho Chi Minh City, very boring. Nothing happens until like you see him kill the one general and that's it. And then it's like, a, you know slight chase that no one really knows what the hell's going on the action at the camp very ho-hum it's just explosions and guns and sometimes he throws a grenade mm-hmm. the only really cool one is when they're on you know down on the river and they sneak up on him and they op- he opens up with the fucking with the m60 and just fucking starts unloading on them you know and he you got tuck driving the raft and feeding the belt at the same time as Chuck's firing into them. That's like the only really cool part about that. The rest of it's very incredibly pedantic. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. Especially by today's standards when there's so many, you know, so much more better thought out action sequences. And it's kind of a shame because like there's a billion Vietnam War B to Z level films during this time period. And this as one that's as well known as it is is incredibly incredibly boring mm-hmm. yeah and i like i have to laugh at the end of the movie too because chuck breaks down he 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 rescues these soldiers brings them back to ho chi minh city they 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 get them back well not only that i said not only that you forgot the whole the whole patrol boat scene which is fucking stupid Totally stupid at the end. Just like that's where like your whole like nobody can hit anything. Yeah. Tuck's sitting on the goddamn M6. Well, before that, the Thailand guy is sitting on the fucking M60, firing from Tuck's boat at this patrol boat, and they're just firing at each other from like a mile away. Nothing's happening, and they keep going back to that over and over again as other stuff's happening. And then eventually the Thai guy gets distracted, he gets hit, and then Tuck's like, "See you in hell." 
because he's going to go sacrifice himself nobly. Swims back over to his boat, hops on the M60, and he's just firing away. And then the patrol boat's just firing away and just firing away at each other for five minutes <laughs> until eventually he gets shot. Well, no, he doesn't get shot. The boat just blows up because he hits that GTA, like, oh, your boat's on fire. It's gotten hit by, you know, too many bullets. It explodes. And then the U.S. Army shows up, picks up the POWs and Chuck, and then they just light rockets into the patrol boat. Yeah. It's, it's like, so fucking stupid. They they eventually, they, like, they, they escape to Ho Chi Minh City because there's conveniently a press conference, like, happening right at this very minute of... Uh, the Vietnamese people saying we can definitively say that we have no prisoners of war here from America, and you know Chuck Norris is bursting in through the doors with these soldiers. And what I really like is like, what is that going to prove? Like Chuck could have come <laughs> in with a bunch of like four actors and said, "Yeah, these guys were in a camp." It, it doesn't prove anything. It's just it. I like how the the film ends on that, but it really is not really a. Uh, re- like a realistic portrayal of what would have happened in that scenario. They've been like, well, just uh, these people clo- aren't. Those people aren't weren't in the camp. I was gonna say they just closed, like, and fi- and it's just like, and missing in action. It's like, and they were all shot for treason. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I don't know what they what they think it's gonna prove by bursting in there, but the film does want you to think like, oh, they've succeeded. Wow, look at how they've shown the Vietnamese people to be fools. But no, I this don't. Fil- this this film's not very kind to East Asia. Period. It truly is it's, not. It's, it's it like, truly it's is like, not. It's like they're all a bunch of fucking idiots. Just yeah, and it does have like that Full Metal Jacket style thing of like we like East Asia for prostitution. Like that is great. You know, we just come over here. We we, we like whores. Yeah, we get our hookers and. That's it's it. missing. I say it's missing Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny yeah. in Philadelphia. Like I like banging whores. Yep. <laughs> when he's on the boat with the Vietnamese people, and they're like, "What's he saying?" He says he likes banging whores and loose <laughs> women. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not a not a great portrayal for them. Um, like I said, this movie could have been better if it really tried to take it a little bit more seriously. They didn't even have to take it more seriously. Just be even put like some thought, like be more thoughtful. You know, it's that's what's like the most fucking infuriating about it. It's just like I mean, and and I think too now, like probably in the eighties, people didn't really think about this too much. But it's very like when you watch it now, it's very jingoistic. You, you it, what does that mean? That sounds like a big word, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you. Breaking out your French words, now you're breaking out your fucking Django. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, mean, I like Django. You like Django? Django the Bastard? Django Unchained? Django? I like <laughs> Spaghetti Westerns. I just, I think that it's, it, you know, it definitely has, like, the, the rose-colored glasses of, like, look at what America did after Vietnam. It's great. Look what we, look what we could do. Look what we could be doing right now. We could... Solving the world. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but like, look at what one American soldier did. That's it. Like, Ugh. this was one guy. What if? What if a bunch of Americans were motivated, similarly motivated, to go storm Vietnam? What would happen then? Fix this problem real quick. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I mean, would, you'd have a you'd have a God Jesus loving democracy run by capitalists in no time. That's right. What everybody wants. All right. So, um, that's about that's all I got for missing in action. How about you? You have anything else that you wanted to? I think we went long enough. We pretty much did. I think pretty much everything that uh, I wanted to cover. This film had none of like the witty one-liners that Invasion USA had. Not really, no. I mean, like Chuck, Chuck still has his kind of like uh, quips that he gets in, but it's not. He has a couple of them, like the whole like when he's with you know uh, with Lenore Casadorf, and he's she's he's like getting naked, and she's like, oh, oh, and he's like, Could you turn around, I'm shy. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> You know, as he's dressing up in his uh, sneaking around garb. <laughs> yeah, this, he he brought he has a, a suitcase that says uh, "prowling gr- <laughs> prowling clothes" <laughs> that he pulls out. Uh, but yeah, no, he he does have a couple of quips, but, um, but they're nowhere near as frequent as they should be to keep mm-hmm. this entertaining. Because for the most part, he's just a total. Blake Slate. And mm-hmm. honestly, Tuck's the only real person of character in here. The only one that's actually kind of like really good. But even he doesn't get that much. I kinda of, I do kind of enjoy the corny, like, oh, you just want me to sit I'm not going I'm just sitting in this goddamn raft. I'm not going anywhere. Well, how are you gonna get back? I don't know. I, if I can't get back, I can't back. God damn it. You knew I was going to come with you and I was going to take that as an answer. I'm going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I love that stereotypical, like, you know, play out of that. So, like, you know, that's fun. But for the most, everyone else is just, like, just fucking there. Yeah, getting, a mean, page, getting a paycheck. Uh, honestly, I felt like M- Emmett Walsh really didn't get that much time either. Like, I don't. No, really, he shows up an hour in. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really get enough time to truly um, show his care his side of the character. Um, he looks like the the skipper from fucking Gilligan's Island of this too. I also like too that they um, they spend a lot of time on the um, sort of like the antagonist uh, from Vietnam who is like a, a new general that they've like installed. I can't remember his name. I think it's like Vin or something like that. And, um, like, there's a, a scene where Braddock, like, makes eyes with him and then talks to him after his uh, his press conference and says, like, oh, I, I see they've uh, promoted you or something like that. And it's the guy that tortured him. But it, mm. we don't really – because Missing in Action Part 2, which presumably shows that interaction between them, has not happened yet since this film is now the initial movie. We don't really have much of a relationship with them, so we don't – there's no like stakes between them. Like, yeah, we seen him torture Braddock one time, but you know, there's not like a whole lot that ties them together. I, I wouldn't say that there's a overarching villain here because it's, um, it's almost like, uh, Vietnam is the villain, right? It's like, it's like the whole country, the villain. <laughs> I just, I don't think they did a good job of that. So, all right. So on a scale of, uh, zero to 10, Bad Thai karaoke singers. What would you give Missing in Action? I gotta make it. If you're new to the podcast, our ratings are bullshit. <laughs> They're meant to be fun in the moment, spurious. Um, when I reviewed, when we did Invasion USA and I was looking back at it, I gave it a five and a half. Gotta bump that up. Gotta bump that up to a, at least a six now. 
Because uh, this film, it's five and a half. Nowhere near as fun as Invasion USA. Invasion USA, as stupid of an idea as it is, is fun as shit. Had a lot of good action in it. Just a lot of fun. Chuck Norris has quips. It's a great time. You get as stupid as it is, there's a lot of fun to be had. This film is at times a dreary, miserable watch. There's not a lot of action in it. The action's not even that engrossing. Chuck is pretty boring in this. Very plain. Like, fuck, you're watching an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. He's just kind of limbering about. Um... The idea has some merit, but I, I it's as basic as basic can be. The film is pedantic. It's there's no real fun to be had. Like even like it's there's no real like enjoy. I didn't get like any enjoyment watching this film. It's a slog. Uh so yeah, five and a half. The only thing I would say that I compliment from it is actually because Joseph Zito is directing it. There are times in it where he uses some slasher elements to it, mm-hmm. like and framing and so, with some of the ideas and how he kind of goes about shooting some scenes, like Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, which he did. So that was cool. But other than that, like this this film, God bless it that they shot two in a row because I don't see how if you saw this you'd make a second because. Out of all the millions of like action films from this time period, especially like canon action films, this one's boring as hell. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the charm, doesn't have the action, doesn't have soul. It's just cheesy and stupid, and mind-numbingly boring at times. So five, five and a half. Yeah. So I, I, I would say I apologize to Invasion USA. You're definitely <laughs> not a five and a half. Yeah, I'd probably I would give this one a five. I really didn't enjoy this one too much. Um, I I like you. I think that it is a fairly boring movie. It doesn't really have that much going on in it to really keep your attention. And I, I routinely found my attention drifting away from it. Um, and that's not good from an action movie. <laughs> you know, you don't, especially from an '80s action movie, you don't really want to see your attention drifting away from it. There should be, you know, a natural draw. Um, like you said too, I did notice some slasher elements, especially like uh, with Chuck Norris prowling through Ho Chi Minh City, and it's kind of interesting too that jo- uh, Joseph Zito did direct The Prowler in 1981. So it's kind of a kind of a fun little tie in there. But I don't think he does suspense fa- that well in this movie. I think that it ultimately fails for the most part, and the direction itself is very um, awkward. It's very like it doesn't really understand mood or tone. Um, it doesn't have a good sense of um, pacing or suspense, and ultimately that's why it fails to really conjure up any um, entertainment value whatsoever. Uh, I think that it has a couple of fun moments, but for the most part, uh, it's ultimately like really uh, devoid of of action or content. So. Um, for the most part, I, this one's tough to really recommend. It's tough to, um, uh, you know, give a, a good a review of it when it's truly missing action. Um, and I definitely am not, not really curious about seeing the sequels. I, I don't really have much, um, 
stomach for him. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I, I can't really believe that it, it managed to. I mean, I guess with two, like, because they were just like, yeah, let's let's do two at one time. But like three, come on. A third one, people saw Aaron, these two and they were like, you know what? We got to make Aaron, a third one. Listen, Aaron Norris, Chuck's brother, directs out once. So I know. <laughs> I know. But like, I just can't imagine they're like, yeah, let's, you know what? what? Just do a third. Say, Let's say what a downer note to end on Red Hot Action Eighties Month Part Two. Heat like the worst edition. movie that we've done. <laughs> yeah. Because like the, Blood, say Bloodsport was surprisingly delightful. Roadhouse is just fucking Roadhouse. Yep. RoboCop, everyone knows, is fucking you know glorious. And then you compare it to when we did <laughs> Red Hot Eighties Action Month originally. You know, we had Police Story. You know, Predator. It, invasion USA, it's just kind of looking like, huh? Missed the mark here. Strike Commando, you know. Well, you know what? You win some, you lose some. We do good and bad movies, so there's nothing different. I, here. I'm glad to see it to add it into the canon sure. of films, you yeah. know. But I mean, like again, like it's it's disappointing because I mean, especially from canon, I expect better. I expect them, you know. You do. I do because you know what I mean. Even though they're they're entertaining, I would say because even though their films are generally mediocre as shit. I mean, again, RoboCop's a can film, but I mean, which is not mediocre. But I mean, even though generally their films are mediocre as shit, there's an entertainment value there. Like they owned that B label, you know, that B label in the '80s, and it's kind of sad, like that this one. Is such a dud, mm-hmm. especially seeing as like you know a year later we get Invasion USA with Chuck, and it's such a f- fucking stupidly fun romp. Yeah, I agree. I I think that most of the time canon movies are at least entertaining. This one is wide of the mark there too. All right, so that ends our Red Hot Eighties Action Summer Part Two Heat Wave Edition edition. <laughs> um. Probably, you know what? We'll probably do another one next year. Who knows? There's it's like it's tons gonna be a of them. Staple. I know. There's there's so many, and we can't continue to do like the whole series again because we're starting we're starting to run out, right? We're, you know, we're running out of like we, I think we only have two more Leprechaun movies. <coughs> we finished Silent Night Deadly Night finally. Mm-hmm. We're out of Silent Night Deadly Night, so we're starting to run out of the series things that we can do. So you know, we we could always go back to. What we were supposed to be doing for this podcast. Jello movies. <laughs> spaghetti westerns. I'd be on board with the spaghetti westerns. But it's just like so fun to think of like 223 episodes in, we drift further and further away from your mission statement. Way to go, Ryan. That's right. There's some asshole in Italy right now being like, he's supposed to be talking about the girl with the red slipper with the knife on the scarf of the vase. You know, I was thinking, and uh, I was thinking, like, what if, you know, because I've been thinking about getting into uh, home brewing a little bit. I was like, what if I, uh, what if I made. Your home bre- I say your home brewing kit's like 17 years old now. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's probably, <laughs> probably no good anymore, but like, and like real home brewing. And I was like, what if I made a brewery and I called it uh, the perfume of the lager in black? <laughs> <laughs> there's a, if you don't know, there's a jello. It's called the perfume of the lady in black. And uh, I thought that was funny. That'd be a fun play on words. It probably it's wouldn't great. work because it'd be like so fucking long of a brewery. brewery no, but it's, name, it's, but. it's great though because the whole 
the whole name of our podcast is based off of a fucking Jallo, Blood and Black Lace, which we still haven't even done yet. Mm-hmm. And every time we got to, you know, which again, we're eight years in, so maybe that's got to be coming up for like Ep 250. But so, like, anywho, anytime we got to explain to people, like, oh, what's the podcast all about? Like, Blood and Black Rum, that's such a weird podcast name. It's like, well, originally we were supposed to be doing Jallo, so it's based on Blood and Black Lace, and at the time, Kraken was just coming out as rum, and we liked Blood. Black rum, so we we're like, yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we'll do that. Isn't that we could have called it Blood and Doctor McGillicuddy's root beer? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, we are gonna transition like directly into our Halloween episodes for because we normally do next September week. and October. I'll say next week. Yeah. So, what are we doing for our Halloween episodes? <clears throat> So we decided, um, we, we're kind of banding about it. We talked about it before. We were thinking about doing Cronenberg, which is a great idea because we have only done one Cronenberg film so far in the podcast, and I'm actually not that well-versed in Cronenberg, kind of know his style, but I haven't seen like you know, vid- like you know, scanners or Videodrome or anything. It's not anything that's ever really popped up on my radar. But because we've also done... We just did Carpenter, and it's kind of a slog to sit through one person's, uh, as you would say, ouvoir uh, of their films. I kind of pitched in, like, what if we did Wes Craven 2? Kind of mix it up, because Wes Craven is also somebody that uh, we haven't, outside the screen films and New Nightmare, uh, we haven't really done, and it's very fertile ground. Uh, for content of films, and Wes has a lot of classic, iconic films, and also some duds. So, that's, and, basically the same time period, you know, 70s, 80s, and 90s. So, I, we're going to do Wes and Cronenberg. Yeah, so we're going to do So, so Creepy, it's Craven and Cronenberg. Well, we can't call it So Creepy, it's, that's what we did for Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Got to come up with a better name than that. But I think that would be nice. I'm um, craving some Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. But I mean, like, I think it'd be nice to kind of, it'd be kind of nice to, you know, juxtapo- to, uh, juxtapose, you know, two well-renowned, you know, horror directors and writers and, just, you know, styles and kind of see, you know, obviously we're not just going to do the big ones. We're going to probably pick some of Wes and Cronenberg's shit too because it'd be kind of boring if we just like oh it's classic yep you know mm-hmm. so I think it'd be interesting you know yeah so I think we're gonna alternate and we're gonna do yeah obviously you know, one yeah. and then the other so yeah no it should be fun it should be a fun time obviously Halloween's gonna... I say I say Halloween's always our best period because it's definitely our most creative like you know when I think back to like all the episodes we've done like the Saw series is great. The Anthalloween, so creepy. It's Carpenter, obviously. You know, we uh, reanimated. Mm-hmm. We did like a bunch of zombie films. So I think it's definitely going to be worth checking out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, when Halloween 3 comes out, Halloween, whatever the fuck Danny McBride decides to call it, uh, we'll be doing that too. So. Yep. What's it called? Halloween ends. Oh, okay. It ends. It ends tonight. 
Well, uh, that's, like I said, a shitty title because Evil was supposed to die last film, so. Yeah. I guess we'll see I wonder if the I wonder if the Boston couple's still alive. And I, I Dan- have... Uh, Dennis Le- I say Dennis Leary's buddy and the black lady who are like, Who's out there? It's the fucking guy running around, yo, stabbing the people. I have been given the uh, clear to go see it in theaters, too. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So. God bless. Should be fun. All right, so you'll definitely want to check out our Halloween episodes. They're coming up. We're going to do it all September and October. Craven and Cronenberg. Well, <clears throat> as I say, we're starting next week. Yep, be next week. Uh, so you'll you'll definitely want to check in for that. So subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Homebase at Anchor.fm. Um, any, anywhere you want, basically. And give us a nice review. It helps us out. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. You can write to us, let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, what you want to hear us cover in our next episodes, and we'll take that into consideration. You can donate to us as well. Um, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. That always helps us out. We, uh, we pretty much put that towards beer, so anything you can donate to us is truly appreciated. So thanks for listening to our Red Hot 80s Action Summer Part 2 Heatwave Edition. Hope you enjoyed that uh, foray into 80s action movies. Maybe and next year we'll go into 90s action ooh, films. Ooh, there you go. That or, that, or 70s. 90s action would be kind of interesting because you have a lot of like direct-to-video 90s action at that time. So It'll be the one time we'll do Escape from L.A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we hope you, you know, we hope you enjoyed that. Um, hopefully, we'll do it again next year. Uh, tune in for us for our Halloween episodes starting next week. And uh, until then, take care. <laughs>